Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyons, Dan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at houseofcardsradio.com. Cheers me up. What? Rolled up aces over kings. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, we have some skin. Hello, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. This is House of Cards. We have... We have an unbelievable show today. I don't know if anyone's ever felt that our shows may lag or we have boring guests sometimes, but not today, boy. We have two great guests. The first is a hypnotherapist who works with poker players. His name is Elliot Rowe. He's going to talk to us about hypnotism, about how it can improve a poker player's game and how it can also improve qualities in their life. Uh, fascinating guy, Elliot Rowe. And then... We have a, a real celebrity in the poker writing world, in the world of writing in general. He's a very, very successful author. Ben Mesrick, he's written books I'm sure you've heard of, which is The Accidental Billionaires. He's also written uh, the book that was turned into 21, Bringing Down the House. And now he's written a book, Straight Flush, which is about absolute poker, the rise and fall of the people who built absolute poker. We'll have a mailbag segment, and then we will be done. Fast-paced and exciting. Stay tuned. We at House of Cards want to wish you the happiest of holidays. And in celebration of the holiday season, we would like to present that beautiful holiday favorite, Silent Night, sung by that wonderful soprano, Chewbacca. Great moments in history. 
In 481 BC, the defeat of the Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae. As long as Xerxes doesn't find the secret path to the hot gates, where is it, boy? Xerxes has found the secret door path from the hot gates. Ah, shit. In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to HouseOfCardsRadio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to bzid.com. Bzid is your number one online auction source for brand-name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75 85 and 99% off retail. Go to bzid.com and use the offer code VIP and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code VIP to get three bids for the price of one. Go to bzid.com, B-E-E-Z-I-D.com, bzid.com. Some houses are born bad. You're listening to the House of Cards. I never dreamed that any mere physical experience could be so stimulating. Welcome back, listeners. On House of Cards, we like to have guests that come from all walks of the poker world. And we have succeeded in getting today a guest who comes from the world of poker hypnosis. He is, the, he is himself a licensed, certified hypnotherapist. He's also um, from the, uh, trained at the Royal Berkshire College of Clinical Hypnosis. His name is Elliot Rowe. He lives in Las Vegas. And we want to talk to him about hypnosis and poker. Are you there, Elliot? Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having me on the show. Hi. You know, I, I got to start right off by saying I know next to nothing about hypnosis, and I'm hoping you will educate me both on exactly what hypnosis is and how it can be useful to the poker player. So why don't you start by talking about your credentials and what hypnosis is? Okay. Um, well, I'm a fully qualified hypnotherapist. Um, it shouldn't be confused with the hypnotherapy or hypnosis that you might see on the stage or on television. Um, what I do is much more like a form of therapy. Um, there's two types of hypnosis that, that I use. Um, I sell MP3s, which is suggestion hypnosis. So with an MP3, you listen to it before you play. You get very, very relaxed, which is sort of that's the hypnosis stage. You become very relaxed, open to suggestion. And then there's positive affirmations um, around basically staying confident, not having any tilt at the table, and focus. I then do personal sessions, which are much more like a therapy session. 
Now, the way that works is we do the same relaxation process, but then when you're very relaxed, you get something called hyponesia. So in the hypnosis state, the individual can remember times from their past that they wouldn't remember in their everyday life and times that may be affecting the way they act at the table. So if I've got a client who's dealing with serious ego wars at the table or something of that nature, as we go through the hypnosis and look at where those problems come from, a lot of the time they've been bullied at school. Through the session, we then look to remove the emotions from that. And then once those emotions are removed, they start to notice they don't have the same problem when they're being three bet at the table. And that's sort of the huh. concept, really. Wow. So just so I'm clear and it, uh, fascinating, it's kind of like therapy where people can uh, be moved back to times of psych- psychological injury and then healed so that the scars that they might normally have that might hurt their poker play are released or are healed. Is that about yeah, it? You actually you put it more articulately than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, wow. Yeah, so how long does exactly it take it. for this? So you, you can do this with an MP3 player that just has it? Oh, I no, can... the, the, the MP3s that I sell are purely suggestion. So that's just to relax you. It's like a warm-up prior to playing in a tournament. But the therapy, because obviously it's feedback from the person. I need the person to be discussing their memories with me and then going through it. So in terms of the resolving the deeper issues, that has to be a one-on-one per session, and I do that either in my office here in Vegas or I do it over Skype with people. Okay, I understand that. I think so the MP3 is a relaxation, and then there are some affirmations like Mike Caro has as a winning force that surrounds you. You're excellent. You're wonderful. You're good. You're going to play your best game, all that stuff. Okay, yeah. that's kind of a, a moderate thing. It's like a cough drop. But then if I really want to cure the throat cancer, I go to see you, and how long, I mean, this is a silly question because I imagine it could be a huge range of times, but for the typical person who comes in and wants to really get to the root of problems that he has at the table, the fear, the whatever, the unexplainable aggression, how long does it take for you to work with somebody and have them come out and say, all right, I'm better? Uh, The the average is around five sessions. Ah, I see. It has to be done in person. You don't do it on the phone, by Skype. Yeah, no, on Skype. It's fine. So over the basically, I use the internet, and it's done on Skype calls. So I, mo- the majority of my clients, even though I live in Las Vegas, are actually worldwide online players, um, and I'm dealing with people in different time zones all day long. Um, and yeah, so the majority is on Skype, and then we go through the sessions. People go through the reasons behind their sort of this behavior, and they start to understand themselves a bit better. So an example might be. Um, as I said, the, the ego one or motivation certainly for online players can be a big issue. Um, typically, online players are incredibly intelligent, and that's meant they've never had to work very hard at school. Um, they then find it quite difficult to work hard on their poker games or to put in the hours that they have to because it's not something they're used to doing. As we go through our sessions and they start to see that that was a mistake at school and they start to see it with a more adult mindset, they find themselves putting in bigger volume and, and studying more. Is that pretty much what you've limited yourself, or is that just a small piece of your practice? I would say at the moment I probably do 80% poker players and 20% UFC fighters. Wow, what an interesting mix. Now, how did you get into doing this for poker players? You live in Las Vegas. Did you move there first and say, I'll do this second, or did you say, hey, wait a second? No, it was actually, I I have a friend who basically works in the poker industry, and I was helping golfers in the U.K., 
And she said, look, you shouldn't be helping golfers. You should be helping poker players. They get far more stressed. <laughs> so um, I started, I sort of started speaking to people on 2 Plus 2. I worked with poker players for the first three months. I didn't charge anyone um, while I was making sure that it was effective. And the results have been exceptionally strong for it. And for the last probably about year and a half now, um, I've been working yeah, with, um, with poker players, majority poker players, and then also in Las Vegas, I've been helping some ultimate fighter guys before they get in the cage. Do you have any poker players that you're working with who are well-known celebrity poker players? Yes, but I can't talk about them, unfortunately. Okay, well, that's all right. I thought maybe one or two of them um, who but, might, yeah, might I, use their names, but that's all right. Yeah. If Daniel Negrano doesn't want us to know that he's one of your clients, <laughs> that's fine with us. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those. I'm sure you know they probably would be fine with it. But um, I mean, I've got testimonials on my website. Um, Jonathan Little's written on my website a testimonial, so I can mention that, that he's someone who uses yes. MP3s. But it's certainly you know it's something. It's all confidential. Everything that I do with the players, of course, um, because of the nature of of what I'm doing. Um, but I'm working with you know the majority of players are live, sort of predominantly sort of five, ten, and above. And then in, in terms of online, sort of from 100 an hour all the way up to the, literally the nosebleed. All right, listeners, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back soon. Don't just listen to House of Cards. Now you can be part of the show with the House of Cards hotline. Comments about the show, poker questions, you just want us to know about great places to play, or you just got bluffed out of a pot. Your messages may even be played on the air. Give us a call at 609-474-HOCR. That's 609-474-4627. The House of Cards hotline, available 24 hours a day. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you can send to having your message played on the air. You're listening to the House of Cards with Ashley Adams. It is with great honor that I present your host, the man who sold the dragon his fire, stole it back, and sold it again to the creeps. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. Uh, listeners, we're talking to Elliot Rowe, who is a hypnotherapist who focuses on poker players. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of other questions. You know, when I first saw the uh, sheet that had pokerhypnosis.com or .co.uk, I was thinking that there was a different way to go about this, which probably would strike you as terribly unethical, and it's from the movies. And it was from a book that I read by Frank Wallace called poker, a guaranteed income for life, where he talked about, and he was a bit of a charlatan, he talked about how a poker player could somewhat hypnotize his opponent into calling uh, or into folding by using powers of suggestion. You have never gotten into anything like that. That's just out of the movies, right? Yeah, that's that's a little (laughs) bit of make-believe there. Okay. I don't want to to disparage the profession by even – uh, intimating that such a thing is possible. Well, tell us. No, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be a rich, successful poker player. <laughs> well, he actually talked about, I mean, it's actually funny looking back because he became a complete charlatan and nutcase, but how 
in a cash game, the poker player who adopted Frank Wallace's, uh, you know, s- strategies would learn to uh, put his hand in the pot and move the cash, the bills and the change in a circular motion and uh, say to his opponent, you want to call me, which is, of course, <laughs> ridiculous, but it's in there. So it is a piece of hypnosis, if only uh, fictional. How did you yeah. get into the field of hypnosis in the first place? Oh, uh, well, um, quite a number of years ago now, um, I was actually scared of flying. And I went to see a hip- I did, I was as cynical as every one of your listeners is right now. And I went to see a hypnotherapist, and she cured me in two sessions. And because of that, I was just absolutely shocked. So I had a fear of flying to the extent that I wouldn't do long-haul flights. I used to worry for the whole of the holiday that I had to get back on a plane to go home. Um, and it was just completely resolved. So because of that, I decided to go and research where I could go and do a substantial course in it and turned it into a profession because I was just surprised by how powerful it was. How long does it take somebody to become, uh, I guess, certified or licensed, or do you not even have to be licensed? How long does it take to become a practitioner in the first place? Um, Well, I mean, unfortunately, it's not very well licensed. Um, And pretty much there are some places where you can go and do a week's course in hypnosis and you can call yourself a hypnotherapist. I went on a course that was a, a basically it was a ten month to a year course if you include the time for the exams, and that was as, as long a course as I could find on the subject. Um, but there is definitely a huge range. If you look look up hypnotherapist in in the telephone book, there's a chance you've got someone who's worked on it for two weeks, and there's another chance you've got someone who's been, you know, spending a year in classroom. Um, basically doing exams and such, it is quite difficult from that side. So as a member of the public, let's say I decided I want to go to a hypnotherapist uh, like you, how would I know if they're reputable, if they're honest, if they are really good? I mean, there there are boards, um, but that doesn't mean an awful lot. I mean, the the best way of doing it is um, literally ask them where they trained and then look into their training yourself. So, you know, as you said, my where I trained is on my website. Um, look at the course that I did. Um, you know, obviously that was a few years ago. Um, but, you know, you can look up how many hours I've trained, what I was doing, who was teaching me. In the same way, if they say, well, I don't want to tell you where I trained, then you can probably assume <laughs> that they've done a much shorter course that, that's not really covering all of the subjects. Right. Uh, listeners, again, we're talking to Elliot Rowe, who is a hypnotherapist. Uh, one last question for you that uh, I'm just curious if I came to Las Vegas, which I'm doing for the World Series of Poker, and I wanted to uh, go to you for hypnotherapy, what would it cost me? Um, I charge $150 a session, or it's five sessions for 550 I typically recommend that people come and do five sessions, which is why it's set up to be obviously the more sensible economic option, because one session generally won't be enough to resolve any of the larger problems. We usually have to do things over over a number of weeks so that you feel that you've actually covered what you need to cover and you see the, the major changes in your game. How long is a session and how much do they have to be apart to be useful? How, you know, how many um, days in between I, sessions? The, the first session is 90 minutes. All following sessions are an hour. Um, usually I work with people on a once-a-week basis, mm-hmm. um, so for sort of five weeks from, from when they start. Sometimes it ends up being once every two weeks. On rare occasions, I'll see someone twice a week, but I'll, I'll be honest, I prefer having a week in between because we get a lot more of an idea of the progress someone's making if we have a whole week of results and, and sort of 
feelings and things um, to discuss. I see. But, you know, I could see you when I was in Las Vegas for 19 minutes and then I could do follow up weekly sessions with you yeah, on so, Skype. So, so that's, that's what people have been doing. I'm very busy here at the moment. The World Series on. So people are either they've done a couple of sessions with me online and then they come and do the session live with me and then they'll do another couple of sessions online um, or they start here in Las Vegas and then they're going to continue when they leave. Um, but it's, it's certainly something obviously, you know, I'm aware that it's, it's, it's not the norm in terms of what poker players do. But I think you can sort of understand that if you've got one of these issues that you can't understand why you're getting so angry at the table or why you just can't cope if you're three bad or one of those things then this is a way to resolve those issues and make long-term change to them. What is the oddest problem that any poker player came to you with, without revealing who it was, of course? Can you think of anything that was particularly unusual? Um, it's, it's generally all pretty standard stuff. I see. To be absolutely honest, it's, um, the issues that, that I deal with are just rage tilts, people getting angry, Winners tilt players who find that if they're up, they stop playing because they're just they're desperate to get home with a win. Um, people who are making mistakes and just can't can't cope with making mistakes at the table and they can't sleep because of it. Um, ego wars is very big and motivation, but a lot of the things are around that. Where I do have um, situations that, that that are slightly more complex is um, sometimes someone will come to me for poker but we'll actually end up working more with them on something else that's going on in their life. I so see. although I specialize in poker, um, you know, I might be helping them with um, some form of social anxiety because that's actually linked to the issues that they're having in playing anyway or something around that sort of nature. we got about a minute and a half left. I, I just had one question with two parts to it. First of all, are there any risks to hypnosis? And second, are there any people that really it just doesn't work? Uh, there, there are no real risks in terms of hypnotherapy. Uh, the only thing that people may notice is you start to realize what you're doing in life and why you're doing it. So if you're in a particularly unhappy relationship and you start to understand why you're in that, you know, you might find that you're more likely to, to look for change in your life. But that's the only sort of risk. But in reality, what's going on there is you're just making the correct choice for yourself. Um, and sorry, your other question was the... I asked you um, if oh, there are any people it doesn't work could. with. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, everyone can be hypnotized. It's, it's nothing like stage hypnosis, which is basically you're looking for the people in the crowd who are most suggestible and then you're using social pressure. With hypnotherapy, it's, it's like um, it's the feeling you have when you drive down the motorway and then you forget about 10 minutes of the drive. You just sort of went on automatic. And everybody is capable of that. It's a very vivid daydream. Um, so it's, it's not something I've, I've never had a client who has said at the end, I wasn't hypnotized. It's just, it's just not the hypnosis that you see in the films. I don't have any control in, over anyone or any power, but the person's memory will become more vivid and they will start to remember things that are emotional issues in their life that they need to resolve. Well, this sounds fascinating. Uh, if I thought that I had any problems in my life, I think I would go right to you to address them. But I feel well. You know, come, and, come and try a free session when you're in Las Vegas, and then you, you have a free a free. Oh, I like that word. Where is there session, a free yeah. session? Exactly. Come and come and try one. You can tr come and try a session with me when you're in Vegas. All right. How do people then, contact you? What's your website, and how do they get oh, a hold right. of you? Um, if you want to get a hold of me, it's going to be uh, www.poker-hypnosis. 
www.co.uk. Um, I've also got a coaching listing on 2plus2, which is an online poker website, uh, 2plus2.com. And you'll see that there's the sort of eight or nine pages of testimonials from people who've worked with me on my coaching listing on there. And that will give people a very good idea of the sort of players I'm working with and how they found it has helped them. Fantastic. Well, just again for our listeners, it's www.poker-hypnosis.co.uk. And uh, when I'm in Las Vegas, how will I look you up? Um, well, my my number's on the website. Oh, okay, good. Your <laughs> so, phone number. Very good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, just give me a call, and uh, we can work something out. Okay, great. Very good. We look forward to. Uh, I look forward to talking to you when I get there. Excellent. All right. Take care, listeners. That was Elliot Rowe, who is the uh, poker hip- hypnotist. I think that's a proper term. You can reach him at poker-hypnosis.co.uk. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of December 30th, 2013. Well, the Atlantic Club Casino in Atlantic City has new owners. Last week, a bankruptcy judge allowed the sale of the property to the Tropicana and Caesars Resort. Under the plan, Tropicana agreed to pay $8.5 million for Atlantic Club's casino database, slot machines, and other casino equipment. And Caesars is buying the real estate for $15 million. The $23.5 million sale price marks a new bottom in the value of an Atlantic City casino. Mohegan Sun and the city of Revere, Massachusetts have inked a deal that would allow Mohegan to build a casino within the city limits. Under the deal, Mohegan Sun would build a $1 billion gambling resort on 42 acres of land which is owned by Suffolk Downs. The plan calls for about 4,000 slot machines, 100 table games, and a poker room. According to the deal, Mohegan Sun would pay the city $33 million up front as well as additional payments each year if the project is licensed. And finally, what would you do if you found $300,000 in your car? That was a question faced by Las Vegas cab driver Gerardo Gamboa. Gamboa found a paper bag filled with money in the back of his cab. So what did Gamboa do? He informed his cab company in order to return the money. 
Police traced the money back to a well-known poker player that they did not identify. I hope Gerardo got a big tip for the holidays. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. The key to winning poker is knowledge. And winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by World Series of Poker veteran Ashley Adams, can give you that knowledge. Cash games, small tournaments. Whether you're a seasoned player, a novice, or just find yourself losing more often than you win, winning No Limit Hold'em can show every type of player how to consistently win at the game of No Limit Hold'em. You know, it's been said that winning isn't everything, but it sure feels a whole lot better than losing. Get winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by Ashley Adams, and start winning today. Now available at Amazon.com and wherever great books are sold. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. Now, I do some other stuff, but poker, that's the thing I do best. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And just as promised, we are really fortunate to have perhaps the best-known, certainly one of the most successful writers in the field of gambling writing, if there is such a field. We have Ben Mesrick, who's written Bringing Down the House, turned into the movie 21, uh, the bestseller Accidental Billionaire, and now has come out with a new book, a great book. I've read it. It's called Straight Flush, and it's the tale of the, the college kids who built the absolute poker empire and then ended up either in jail or exiled or in bad circumstance. So I'm not going to talk more about the book. I'm going to let Ben do that. And uh, welcome to the show, Ben. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, we're very lucky to have you. I've read your stuff. I've often wanted to talk to you. Could you start our listeners off just by giving them an overview of what this book covers? Okay, Straight Flush is uh, the story of uh, the guys who founded Absolute Poker. It's uh, a group of frat brothers from the University of Montana. Um, who used to play poker in the basement of a local bar and decided to try and put it online. Um, and this was uh, back when there was only really one or two poker sites online um, back in around 2000, 2003. Um, and so they ended up moving their fraternity to Costa Rica, and they built Absolute Poker into a million-dollar-a-day revenue business. Um, and then uh, it crashed down. Uh, they ended up you know, either fugitives or in jail or uh, on the run um, when uh, online poker essentially became illegal. And uh, it's it's a crazy story. I mean, it's basically the rise and fall of these guys. And they are interesting guys. They're, what, what struck me was that they're regular sort of guys. In fact, high-achieving uh, regular sort of guys, not weirdos, not uh, eccentric. I mean, they all have their eccentricities. You got right. to know them, right? I mean, part of this was you doing the research of actually talking to them extensively, right? Yeah, I mean, I got to know them pretty well. And these were not the sort of geeky guys that I wrote about say, in bringing down the house or, you know, the social network. These were jocks, you know. These were fraternity brothers uh, at University of Montana. They were kind of cowboys. One of them was so poor he sold a cow to buy his first car. Um, They all came from, you know, different backgrounds. But uh, they weren't, you know, odd. They were the regular frat guys who decided to try and put poker online. Um, And they had to raise the money. They didn't really come from a lot of money. Um, and they and they ended up in Costa Rica, and that's where things get really crazy because it's a very wild west kind of scene there. Um, there's really no laws, and so there were a lot of you know sex and drugs and all of that thing that you think college kids would get into um, when that kind of money is pouring in. So it's a, it's a it's a pretty wild story. So you 
talk to them both, you know, during some of this and then even as it was unfolding, what's what's their take on what happened to them? I'm especially interested in your impression of Brent Beckley, who is the one guy that I think is either still in jail or maybe he's released or soon to be released. What's his take on all this? Is it a cautionary tale? Does he feel the government was totally uh, overzealous? Does he understand it? What's his take? Well, I mean, definitely these guys all think that the government uh, was hypocritical and ridiculous and that they shouldn't be facing jail time. Uh, Brent is doing 14 months in federal prison. Um, you know, he was the younger half-brother. He uh, kind of joined the company a little bit later, and he uh, he was the naive kid of the group. Um, but his name was on everything, and when the banking laws were put into effect, which made the movement of money into this company illegal, he kind of took the fall for it, and he turned himself in. Um, these are complex guys. You know, there's no saints in this story. Nobody in the story is someone who didn't do anything wrong. Um, but I think that Brent definitely did not expect to go to jail, and he certainly thought that what the government did was pretty unfair. Um, from my point of view, you know, we were all lining up for Powerball tickets a few weeks ago, and that's fine, but for some reason online poker isn't fine. Um, and so that, to me, seems very much the height of hypocrisy. Um, it, it's a complex story, though, because a guy like Scott Tom, who created the company and ran the company, um, he's also a very uh, hated individual in the poker community um, because of a cheating scandal, because of other things that went on at Absolute Poker. Um, so nobody really feels bad for him, but he's trapped on the island of Antigua now. Um, he's essentially a fugitive and can't return. So uh, there's a lot of twists and turns to the story. I, I'm curious to know your summation of what exactly these guys did that was so wrong that they were prosecuted. What was the offense, according to the DOJ, the Department of okay, Justice? Okay, well, up until 2006, um, there was no specific law uh, that they were, you know, flouting. So before 2006, they weren't really doing anything wrong. But beginning in 2006, uh, something called the UIGEA was passed, which was the uh, Unlawful Internet Gambling um, Enforcement Act, Enforcement Act, right? Um, which was passed on on a port terrorism bill. It was a, amended to a port terrorism bill, so it kind of snuck through. Um, once that passed, it became less gray area. If you had customers who were American and you were running an online poker company, the movement of money into your company could be considered illegal. Um, so they stayed in business after 2006. A lot of other companies closed up their American business. Party Poker was the biggest. They left the American market. But the guys at AP decided to stay. And so from that point on, they were, you know, taking large risks. Um, they passed rules that no one in their company was allowed to come to the U.S. Um, they tried their best to distance themselves um, by, you know, uh, creating a, a sort of a um, – a farther back company by, by creating a shell company, things like that. But the reality was from 2006 on, um, the government was making a case against them. And so that's where things kind of went wrong. And, and they knew it, right? I mean, they knew that they were in danger of being prosecuted if they were in the United States, didn't they? Well, when you talk to them about it, it's interesting. I mean, they felt that the law was unfair. They felt that nobody was going to go to jail over this. They really believed that at some point the worst that would happen is someone would have to pay a fine. Um, they, they didn't think it was a fair law, and to some extent it was still a confusing law because what the law really did, it didn't make playing online poker illegal. It didn't make owning an online poker company illegal. It made the movement of money involved in, what, in an illegal gambling company illegal, but it didn't define what an illegal gambling company was. So it was still very confusing. Um, but I do think Brent knew that 
by putting his name on everything, he was risking jail. And I do think that Scott also knew that things were no longer the way they were before 2006. So nobody knew for sure what was going to happen, but I think they did have some idea that they were taking risks. Uh, listeners, we're talking to Ben Mesrick, who is the best-selling author of a number of books, but most recently, Straight Flush, which is the story of the founders, the rise and fall, you might say, of the founders of Absolute Poker. Uh, about Absolute Poker, what I found, I don't know if it's ironic, but I think it's telling, nobody prosecuted Absolute Poker when they were involved in the uh, absolutely outrageous incident involving Russ Hamilton and others where uh, those who were on the inside and knew the operators of Absolute Poker could get the, the code sharing where they could read the cards of their opponents. That was, you know, that kind of went by the board. People were pissed, but nobody went after them until they decided to prosecute them over the UIGEA. Is that right, or am I missing yeah, a step? Right. I mean, they, you know, they definitely, there were the two cheating scandals. One, at AP itself, uh, there was a cheating scandal where people were being cheated in that way. Uh, other people, insiders, could see whole cards, could see people's cards. And so there was, you know, a very horrible cheating scandal. And that ultimate bet, which Absolute Poker ended up buying, also had a cheating scandal that dated back many years. Um, where about $20 million was stolen from players. Um, nobody was ever prosecuted for those cheating scandals. It was a completely unregulated business. You know, this is like a Prohibition-era company. Um, so nobody was overseeing these companies. When it was discovered that cheating was going on, um, and it was discovered by players, um, bloggers essentially on a site called 2 Plus 2, um, no one went to jail. No one got in trouble. Um, one person was supposedly let go from Absolute Poker, but there wasn't really anything that could be done about it. Um, so the government didn't go after them because of that. That had nothing to do with the cheating scandal at all. The government only went after them because of, you know, the Internet gambling law and went after them as an illegal gambling operation. But nobody ever paid the price for the cheating scandal, and a lot of poker players are very upset about that. Um, a lot of them pin the blame on Scott Tom himself, the founder of AP, uh, because there was sort of a... a um, a trail of evidence that seemed to lead to him, but he maintained his innocence. But no one was ever uh, convicted of anything about that. Well, let me ask you this. There, was a, there were a number of companies and dozens of individuals, if not hundreds, connected with Internet poker after the UIGEA was passed. Um, and yet, it, Brent, is, is he the only person in jail right now, or are there other people that were prosecuted? And if not, how come nobody else was prosecuted in this way? I know people were rounded up. But how come right. nobody else so they, was prosecuted in this way? They essentially picked two people from each company, um, and, and from AP they picked Scott, Tom, and Brent to name in the indictment. And then they picked a few other people who were involved in the banking processing. Um, someone from Poker Stars, you know, is in trouble. Um, Brent's the only person who's gone to jail so far. He turned himself in. Um, everyone else is fighting it or on the run. Um, so uh, Scott is the one who's really sitting there facing a large indictment, and he's sitting in Antigua, refuses to give himself up. Uh, he thinks it's an unfair law. He doesn't want to come and end up in prison, so he's going to stay there as long as Antigua will let him stay there. Antigua feels that it's an unfair law, and they've fought very hard um, in the WTO to show that online poker should be legal. Um, so Scott's not giving himself up. Um, yeah, there were a lot of people that could have been prosecuted. Uh, they went after money. You know, the government was going after money. Um, they went after poker stars. Full Tilt and Absolute Poker, Poker Stars ended up paying a, a, a penalty of about $750 million, um, and that was a huge cash grab, essentially. They wanted AP to pay some large amount of money, but AP didn't have any money um, because the whole thing ended up falling apart when they got uh, closed down. So 
I think they went after the guys they felt they could get the most money from. Does Brent kind of regret his decision to turn himself in, or is he feeling stoic and I did the right thing and I'll be out soon enough and then it will be behind me, or something else? You know, I last talked to him right after his sentencing, and at that moment he definitely regretted it because the prosecutor had told him he wasn't going to do any jail time. Um, Everyone had told him he was turning himself in and would probably not get anything more than probation, and then the judge decided to make an example of him and threw the book at him. So right after he was sentenced, he certainly was very upset about the situation. But as he gets closer to the end of his sentence, I think he'll probably be happy. He really just wanted to put it all behind him. He wanted to restart his life. You know, he has a wife, he has two young children, and he wants to go on with his life. He wanted to move them to America, um, and this is the only way to do that. He didn't want to be a fugitive. Um, right. I... God, on the other hand, you know, seeing that his brother went to jail, now doesn't want to turn himself in because he doesn't want to go to jail. So it's a tricky thing. I think Brent had a very philosophical comment when uh, at the sentencing he said, look, it's not cancer. We'll get through this. And uh, I, he will yeah. get through it, and uh, then he won't have to be uh, scurrying around the world to avoid prosecution. But it strikes me as absolutely outrageous that this happened. This tale, if nothing else, it should make people incensed at the UIGEA. Uh, it's an amusing story. What's your sense, uh, Ben? And I know that you're not a, necessarily a prognosticator, but what's your sense of what's going to be happening with online poker in light of the recent developments in New Jersey, in Nevada, in some other states that are cooking with the intrastate Internet gambling. Do you have a sense of when we might have legalized full-blown Internet poker again? You know, if I were to guess, I would say within five to ten years, we'll definitely have online poker everywhere. I think in the next two years, it'll be in about ten states. Um, I really think it's moving quickly. It's this huge industry. And, and you know, once the states realize how much money they're going to get in taxes, um, they're going to want it. Every state wants a casino now. Every state wants a lottery. Um, so online poker is just a whole other revenue stream. I mean, this is a $15 billion industry or more um, that's just waiting. Um, so I think slowly, you know, it's in Nevada, it's in New Jersey, it's, it's going to be in Delaware, and I think pretty soon it'll be everywhere. Um, well, I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right. I, I got another question for you as the incredibly successful author, and we have a couple, three minutes, if you don't mind talking about this. Sure. How did you pick this topic? And what are you looking at next? You're probably already working on your next project. How do you go about deciding what you're going to do? Well, I get pitched everything. You know, ever since the social network and 21, every college kid who does something crazy will send me an email. Um, So I was pitched by two of the founders of AP um, separately. They didn't know the other one was also pitching me. And that intrigued me about it. I had played a little online poker. I was into cards. Uh, So I thought, you know, this is a cool story I hadn't heard before. And I went inside of it. Um, you know, that's how I choose. I choose if it just turns me on. Right now I am working on another big nonfiction story, which is so secret. I also just sold a thriller, The 20th Century Fox, which is going to be like the Da Vinci Code meets uh, Indiana Jones and Brett Ratner, the director, is uh, producing it and hopefully it will direct it. So I'm working on that as well. But, um, yeah, it's just I just wait. You know, I sit at home and I wait for people to email me. And that's essentially how this happened. I got this great story for you about a guy who does a talk show on poker. And uh, he talks to all these. No, I'm just kidding. But I'll tell you, Ben, this was a wonderful book. I hope it becomes a bestseller like your last one. It's called Straight Flush. And, uh, hey, it could be a great movie. It could be a great sitcom. And uh, we could all say we knew you when. So Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Ben. Glad to have you on. We hope you can get you again when you have your next project coming out. Absolutely. We'd love to. Listeners, that was Ben Mesrick, the author of, among other things, Straight Flush, which is the story of the rise and fall of the guys that made absolute poker.
Uh, Stick around. We'll be back after a quick break. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. The key to winning poker is knowledge. And winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by World Series of Poker veteran Ashley Adams, can give you that knowledge. Cash games, small tournaments. Whether you're a seasoned player, a novice, or just find yourself losing more often than you win, winning No Limit Hold'em can show every type of player how to consistently win at the game of No Limit Hold'em. You know it's been said that winning isn't everything, but it sure feels a whole lot better than losing. Get winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by Ashley Adams, and start winning today. Now available at Amazon.com and wherever great books are sold. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. Everybody is to leave here immediately. This cafe is closed until further notice. Clear the room at once. How can they close me up? On what ground? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody out at once. Welcome back, listeners. This is House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, and I'm joined in studio by one of my producers, Dave Weishattle, the more handsome of the Weishattle brothers, I think. Well, I think so, too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, this is Mailbag. So what do we have, Dave? Well, first, uh, I want to say, you know, we always love hearing from our listeners, and, you know, we have a hotline, our website. You can get in touch with us by Twitter and Facebook. The one thing you can't do is is call the station because we're not there at a particular radio station. But you can call us at 609-474-4627. What's that number again? That's 609-474-4627. One more time. 609-474-4627. Okay, that's good. Actually, when Doug came first up with it, it, it actually 609-474-HOCR for House of Cards Radio. But it, you know. I always uh, give the number, so I don't know. Okay, good. But uh, the guys who actually fielded the phone calls at the we- at the um, stations actually passed on what s- some of the people were asking about. They passed on? Uh, they passed I'm on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <to hear that. laughs> but uh, um, what were they talking about? Well, the big question was, you know, it's 
World Series of Poker time. You know, you're going out to Vegas, and I guess everyone wants an edge. Everyone wants to do well in poker tournaments. And, and a lot of people are wondering, how do you start preparing for the World Series of Poker and its events? Well, you, I, you know, I've written about this. I've talked about this. The truth is it comes up every year. 99, <laughs> 99% of preparing is just getting your poker game better in general so that you're playing at your best in general. Mm-hmm. There are some specific things that I've recommended. First of all, it's very easy when you go to Las Vegas. If You know, you realize some people live there, but I'm talking about all the people who don't, to not have enough rest going into these events. These events are long. They're not as grueling as they used to be. They mm-hmm. schedule them in a way that allows you a decent amount of time in between sessions for a three-day event or for the main event many more days. But I always recommend don't... You know, just party and take advantage of the factory in Las Vegas because you're going to be whipped. You need the stamina, uh, which is one of the reasons I think why so many of the people that finish at the final table are so young is because they have stamina. And a lot of us old guys don't. So I suggest getting good rest. Um, this is going to sound corny, but diet, high salt, high alcohol, high fat foods, which is what you tend to have when yeah. you go out there. You drink, you have a lot of fast food doesn't help you improve your stamina and your strength. And so I can recommend a good, decent diet. Um, Hydration, very important in Las Vegas. Those of us from the rest of the world aren't used to the incredibly dry, hot climate. And though, even though we think, well, I'm not passing out, the dehydration takes its effect. It wears on you. It hurts your ability to concentrate. It makes you sick, et cetera. So pump the fluids. Eat decent food. I'm sounding like my grandmother. Know, right? uh, make sure you have aspirin. And then, well, are you are you allowed to bring food yeah, or snacks? I always and, do. You know, like I always Gatorade bring to the table. Yeah, or something I always like that? bring a. I usually have a shoulder bag of some kind. Okay. And I carry in it. I mean, this again, this is going to sound silly, but I carry easy to eat snacks, mm-hmm. so I don't have to worry about getting a meal during the play. Sometimes I get one anyway, but I always have unsalted peanuts. I have bananas. I usually have an apple. Other fruit, dried fruit. Uh, sometimes I'll have a couple of energy bars, um, and I avoid salty things like uh, snacks, like uh, potato chips, popcorn, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but healthy snacks I find very useful. I also bring... does it have to be healthy? Because uh, I even heard of marathoners bringing around jelly beans, eating them with pumps of sugar up, and that, that's what I hear. So I don't know. Is there I some weird kind I, of I food that you that have? You can do that. I don't do that. I bring. Uh, you know, some kind of energy bars, cheap yeah. ones, though, because I'm cheap. Like, so Quaker Oatmeal makes some kind of energy bars, that I'll, like granola bars. Mm-hmm. A raisins, peanuts, unsalted, uh, sometimes dried bananas, but some fresh fruit. And then I'll also bring a bottle of analgesics like aspirin or Tylenol and mm-hmm. Advil uh, and a lot of bottled water. Now, they give out bottled water, but I don't want to have to wait. I don't want to have to tip. You know, if I drink in... <laughs> 20 bottles of water over the course of a tournament, that's 20 bucks. Yeah. So I'll bring my own for, you know, 29 cents a bottle. That's a lot of bathroom breaks, too. I don't know if you can get up. At that's it. true. You can always get up and go to the bathroom. They'll blind you off. Okay. Um, and there are breaks uh, that people generally rush to the bathroom. But that's what I do. And, and as far as mental preparation, you know, some people say, you know, do a crossword puzzle in the morning, get your mental gymnastics going. Uh, do Boggle, do uh, Sudoku. Um, 
I don't know, you get good rest, you get good diet. I Oh, I exercise. I always make sure to walk, you know, a few miles in the morning, early morning before it's hot, so that my body is at least not completely inert. Because you're just sitting at the table. I mean, I stand up, I do a little bit of calisthenics, but you're not exercising during the tournament. Yeah. So get your exercise in in the morning so that you can keep your body and your mind in good shape during the long and somewhat grueling tournament. Do you, do you review any reference materials? Like you go to certain books that you've read? Um, or You, know, you mean like that scene in The Cincinnati Kid yeah. where Carl Malden is going down a list of the poker odds? Yeah. No, I don't well, do Well, hey, guys do that. Now that now they look at on their laptop. You know, they have the odds charts with all the... Uh, <laughs> I don't do that. You don't do that or anything like I mean, that? I suppose somebody might, but uh, to me it's kind of like taking the SAT. If you don't know it by now... It's uh, yeah. too late to cram that kind of stuff. By the way, that was the perfect time for you to plug your book. I was thinking you went in there. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> winning seven card study, winning no limit hold'em, available for you now at Amazon. By the way, my book has cracked the uh, hundred thousand mark for bestsellers. My wow. no limit hold'em book. <clears throat> I don't know what that means as far as sales, <laughs> but better to be under a hundred thousand than over. Also, th- my blog mm-hmm. has cracked the million. Uh, Mark, below a million for top-rated Internet sites out of, I don't know, 26 million sites. Mm -hmm. We are now, uh, the blog at least is 980,000 in the world. I I, I was telling you, June's a weird month. for uh, Ask Doug about the, uh, Doug, our executive producer. Your brother. Oh, yeah, our brother. He's right behind the glass that no one else can see. But uh, our downloads are huge. For, uh, you know, we these shows are now put into podcast form, and you can download them anytime you want or subscribe to it. And just downloads have been crazy, man. Like, so what is what is a huge number of downloads? I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I'm terrible with computers. I asked Doug. He's just the engineering degree. Doug, how many Doug, downloads? How, a dozen? Four dozen? For June. What? Really? Yep. Do they have to pay to do that? No, no. Oh, uh, so. we got to figure a way to monetize so, that. Can we? Can we, uh. Jab the public? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't need money here. We make so much rolling in. We do it for the love of radio. So, what else are we getting? Uh, uh, I have been asked by a couple of people, and uh, and actually for me as well. I have a terrible back. I mean, my lower back. And what can you do if when you're sitting a long time at a table? Don't we have an advertiser that it, that fixes Actually, that? You no, know, I didn't. Yes, Spine Doc. Or Spine Doc. Like. Hey, Doug, give me the number real quick. I can do it. Now. Spine Doc. Oh, he doesn't know you the have number. No clue. Do they still advertise? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Well, I, you have to call. You have to call up a certain number, and you have to talk to him for fifteen minutes or something. Who talks to him for fifteen minutes? I probably shouldn't say that, but <laughs> well, but you, uh, I remember. I just I've been listening to old time radio, the Jack Benny. So they always used to yeah. kid around with their sponsors. Yeah, yeah. Um, we need uh, Chesterfields on. Now, as far as what I do while I'm playing, I just stand up, walk around, stretch really? my back, stretch my legs, um, you know, do those exercises that people do to stretch out their quads. Um, I do that squirm thing, but I always like, you know, thing? I do that because you know, it's the lower back, and I always put pressure on it, and I'm just, you know, when I'm playing there, I don't want to, it looks like a tell that I'm doing this, that I'm like, I'm silently dancing because I have great cards, but, you know, it's... Uh, you can do little leg lifts under the table. Yeah. Um, that strengthens your lower back where you lift up, even though it's just your knees are bent. Mm-hmm. You're lifting them up one at a time oh, to try good. to strengthen your back. Um, I don't know. Other than that, I can't really help you. Really? Although yeah. my wife is an Alexander teacher. 
Okay. And she could work with you sitting to show really? you what you're probably doing that's injuring yourself over time. I, I saw one guy. He had this special chair that he kneels down on. Yes, it. it's, it's, a balance chair. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. My, I should my wife has that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Good. So, well, that'll do it, I think, for this uh, wonderful mailbag. And uh, next time, I'm going to try to have my mom on. Yeah, we should. So uh, we want to yeah. talk about our trip to Las Vegas without any gambling. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to ask her where you got that uh, thing about going to secondhand shops to oh. get your clothes. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. All right, listeners, that will do it for the mailbag segment. But uh, come back next week. We'll be back. from House of Cards and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyons, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.